Hello and welcome to another episode of A Brother's Creed Podcast, where we inspire fathers to teach values that become the blueprint for the next generation. We are the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared, and today we interview a guy, Pat Barber, who is part of the the Fathers Guild. He has a, a social media platform that he runs where he talks about being a father, and just... Uh, he's kind of like us and that he's a, a millennial. He's a father. He's a father of four boys, just like me, similar to Ethan. Ethan's got the girl. But he he sh- talks to us about some of his thoughts and some of the things that he's put out into the world about fatherhood. We talk about uh, one of the challenges he did in a recent uh, viral video of his about his uh, no yelling challenge. We talked about a variety of different topics, which were pretty interesting. He's a great guy, very much like us, and that we were able to go back and forth and share some different insights and thoughts about parenthood, fatherhood, and, and how we can be better by building our creeds and modeling the type of person and attributes that we want to have and that we want our kids to have. So this is a great one. Let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave in close of day. You should be a monster, an absolute monster, and then you should learn how to control it. No retreat. No surrender. You can't conceive of what I'm capable of. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. What we do in life, that goes in eternity. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast today. Today, we have an awesome guest with us, Pat Barber. Thank you, Pat, so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Pretty stoked to be here. Yeah, so I initially was was kind of sifting through, let's say some some fatherhood based material on uh, on Instagram and social media, and was flipping through, and, and actually came across the Fathers Guild, and just really loved some of the messaging from from Pat and kind of his his platform and 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 what you're trying to do as a father and and become better and better. And I was like, man, that just really aligns to what. Jared and I are trying to do on a Brothers Creed podcast is, you know, build our own personal creeds and and become better, learn how to be better fathers and brothers and husbands and and really just grow. You know, Jared and I are both fathers. We're trying to to better society, you know, create children that are are, are free and happy and and you know have 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 the principle. Yeah, principle and have the will to to you know, make their own decisions and and follow their hearts. So, thank you so much. Maybe to kind of kick us off here, could you tell us a little bit about Fathers Guild? I mean, how did you get started with that? What you know, how, how did you come up with that name, or 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 how did this interest start for you? Sure, I I I'm I have a love hate relationship with social media. I think it it does far more harm than it does good in the world, and. I, for a long time, have really kind of had this back and forth with it of like, hey, do I put stuff out there? Do I not put stuff out there? I have a bit of a, a small following on my my own personal account from my years in fitness. I, I've done CrossFit for like 20 years and competed and did all that stuff. And by no means is it a, a large audience, but I found that every time I posted fatherhood stuff, which is stuff that I cared about on that account. It just it didn't it didn't hit the audience. It, like there's nothing like there was some people who who enjoyed it, but but many who did not because they were there for lifting weights and whatnot. And I think due to the way algorithms work, is it wasn't putting those in front of people who I 
thought might want to see that. So for me, I've I've had this kind of love hate of hey, do I make stuff? Do I post stuff? Because like I I don't really care about many other things other than being a dad, <laughs> and so as it, uh, as it should be. <laughs> Yeah. And as a, as a creative outlet for myself, I started kind of like a personalized journal, like a forward facing journal in, in the father's guild. And my thought was, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I wanted to just put out there forward stuff that my thoughts on fatherhood and, and see if I could create some discourse around differing ways of approaching this, this task of being a father. And so I started that as just for myself sort of deal and to make it more singularly focused so I could kind of put that that type of messaging forward. And and it was kind of an exercise in, hey, you hate this social media space so much. Can you add something that would actually be beneficial to the world in that rather than just complaining about it, which I was mainly doing on my, <laughs> my own behind the scenes so, so it started as just kind of like this personalized backend forward facing journal. And I started putting out thoughts on fatherhood and just my own personal things that made me continue to move forward. And, and I mean, for me, I have a really hard time doing anything that's not just honest. Like I don't, I don't feel the need to, to do something for performative sake and which means sometimes I don't post for two weeks and sometimes <laughs> I post three times a week or four times a week. So I, I was just this little channel and I started posting things. And then you guys probably found it because I, I posted a video around yelling and a conversation and a challenge I was doing with myself around not yelling. And then that, that clip went really viral. And so a lot of people found me from that. And by no means am I the no yelling guy. Like that's not, that's, <laughs> that was just that's a challenge. My, my stamp on the world, but that, and there's plenty of people who are professionals into that, but that, that's, that's from, from that video being posted, I had like 300 members or 300 followers on that account. And it was just kind of friends and stuff. Yeah. And then w- since that video, I think it's like 33,000. So it's been a, quite a jump from that single video. Excellent. Now, can you help us understand what it, I'm assuming that you have children. That you're a father yourself. What kind of age no, ranges? I are just your... like to talk about. It. Um, <laughs> it was more of like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Keep no, going. I was gonna say, what ages are your kids? Like, what what level? What stage of fatherhood are you at? I have an 11 year old, an eight year old, a five year old, and a one year old. So okay. I have a few, quite quite a quite a span there of the younger kids. I don't have any teens yet. I'm sure that'll be an adventure in and of itself. But I have all boys, and I have four of them. <laughs> same here, brother. Same here. Yeah. I've got uh, all boys. I've got a ten-year-old, a, a seven-year-old, oh, nine-year-old, seven-year-old, five-year-old, three-year-old. So there you go. You, you kept them a little closer than I did. Yeah, <laughs> we kept them spaced. Them <laughs> I I have the same, except for I have one lily amongst the thorns. <laughs> one one girl that my third is a girl uh, who just turned five. Yeah. Oh, congrats, man! You you did what what <laughs> you and your your brother and I could not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we tried despite yeah. tr- despite it all takes of our it takes more testosterone. I'm told to make a girl, but that's why that's why I tell that's why I t- tell Jared. But I, I heard that in a in a no. Actually, it's the other way around. But I do appreciate you going. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was Andrew Huberman or somebody said that. I don't know. It, oh, totally. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been Huberman. I yeah. think that's awesome. I love that and love you know, how you started just sharing those stories. It's so important that there be more positivity out there, and I think that specifically for fathers, as you know, I, I'm assuming that you're a, a millennial based on the number of kids you have, and 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 how 
few gray hairs you have in your beard. But I think that <laughs> as our this millennial generation starts to get older, we want to do things a little bit differently than the prior generation. And not necessarily, well, I think in some ways, just do it better. We're more, much more involved with our kids' lives. Of that previous generation, sometimes fathers were much less, much more removed. And I think that that's even more exaggerated when you go back one further generation and their yeah. fathers were much more removed. So it's almost like this new era of fatherhood that we're entering into and they're, the importance of modeling those behaviors and those virtues. You know, we talk about a creed on our, on our podcast and how you build these different virtues that become part of your personal creed, modeling those and living those and then teaching those to kids is is so critical. And I think that that's, that sounds like what some of your reflections were is, are do you, are your reflections more about like, how, how can you model that for your kids? Or are they more about like, how can you teach your kids X, Y, and Z? Yeah. I mean, you, you guys both have four children. So you know that when you like, you have your first one, you're like, oh, I'm going to teach them all this cool stuff. And then you go to teach kids stuff and you realize that they don't really care and, <laughs> and they might learn it in the moment, you know, and and you try to teach them all these things and, and you're trying to connect. And like it's just such like a, a slow, cumbersome and almost ineffectual process if you're trying to teach. But you realize how quickly they take on board the things that you do and the type of man that you are and the actions for good or worse that you uh, how you enact with the world. They'll, they'll, they'll pick those up like a little mirror very, very quickly. And so for me, a lot of my reflections were originally brought on by my children showing me who I was in a lot of ways. And then from there, there's been a continued reflection on as I age and as I examine the world a little bit closer of going like, you know, what is the what is the most effective way to do this? And I'm not going to say the right way to do this because I don't think that that exists, but what's the what's the way that achieves the outcome of, you know, deep internal confidence and the the willingness to try new things and the ability to communicate and these kind of like core tenets of being a human that make life in not not enjoyable necessarily, but but work, but function. And joy is definitely part of that. But I I I I hesitate to, you know, say these are the things that make you happy because that's a silly one to go after. But but I, I just I guess my reflections were originally brought about by what was thrown in my face. And then now it's a continuation of that being like, how can I be more effective at this role of modeling manhood and fatherhood? Because I think that that's honestly when it comes down to teaching kids stuff, I think that's that's the majority of what they will be learning is what you do yeah. versus the actual educational process of like, sit down, this does this and da, 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 da. Yeah. Which is not completely ineffectual, but it's just a very, that's tedious and minimally effectual compared to just being a better man. Yeah. I think. So have yeah. you, so have you felt that, you know, this focus that you've had on, on fatherhood and, you know, sharing your, your insights and your thoughts and your experiences how do you feel like this has helped you become a better father? Oh, I mean, deeply. I mean, the I'm I'm kind of in a weird place because I think I think I'm in in a such a profoundly level psychological place that I can I can criticize myself and not take it personally. I don't know. I don't know what that I don't know what that means, but it's like I I, I think self aware <laughs> being self aware. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but to but that that won't break me, you know. Like yeah. it won't make me crumble the way I think some people, if they if they examine themselves too closely, they might they might break. And I, I I'm not saying I'm special or anything. It's just where I'm at in my life. I have so many needs covered. I have like a loving wife, a great job, you know, an amazing house that I live in, things that are fun that I do. I've got good friends. So like I have all these bases covered to where I can look closer at the places that I'm not as good. And it's an easy process for me to be like, I don't want to do that anymore because let me look at this outcome and the outcome is not positive. And so the it's helped me be a better father in the sense that I can, I can examine quite a bit closer than I think many can just parts of myself that are not serving me or my boys. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so critical. Like one of the things that with, with our podcast that has helped me is just reminding myself of the virtues that I want to live. And if yeah. you're continually reminding yourself of say, cur- you know, being courageous or being persistent or these different things, and you're trying to model these for your kids, or you know, one of the things I, I try to do is, you know, on Sunday nights or Monday nights, usually when all the kids are home, I try to do like an attribute or a virtue lesson, uh, where we where we talk to the kids about some kind of virtue or attribute, like stuff we talk about in the podcast all the time. Uh, just a simple lesson for kids. And oftentimes when I do that, I, I think like, well, how am I modeling in this in my life? And just simply being reminded of things is is almost like salt on a wound in some ways, if you're self-aware enough, you're like, kids, be humble, you know? And then you're like, well, am am I actually humble in my own life? And then sometimes if you're self-aware enough, you might realize that uh, maybe you're not, or maybe that's something that you need to work on. So it sounds like that's that's kind of, I feel like just being reminded as well is a way to uncover maybe those deficiencies that you have. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think one of the most, I think detrimental things to that I see in the world is people as fathers who don't <laughs> do what they say. <laughs> it's like they're the be humble or work hard or don't lie or blah, blah, blah. And like, and then they do all those things like that type of dissonance and who they are and what they say is if that's modeled, that just that to me is like the foundation for an insecure child is like, if you're taking accountability and you're actually doing the things that you say regard, and if you have a reason for those things, even better, I've just been messing around with in my own head, like a thought process around if you ever tell your kids something like no, or yes, or whatever it is, like you better have a reason like, and, and you better be able to work it far enough back to where that reason makes sense. Like, Hey, no, you can't have sugar tonight. And they go, why? And you go, because I said so. It's like, no, no, no. Because sugar causes an insulin response that makes you go really hyper. And when we do that late at night, it makes it hard to sleep. And if you do that over and over again, I'm going to have to get up four times a night. I don't want to do that. So no, you can't have sugar tonight. Like having the education to say no and then back it up, I think is such, it's, it's, it's something I've been wrestling with of like, how do you, how do you suggest that parents examine that within themselves? Because I'm trying to do it all the time. If, if I, if I'm going to put a boundary on something, I better have a damn good reason. Like, Hey, don't come to the dinner table with your hat on. And they're like, why? And I go, it's disrespectful. And they go, how, how do you figure? And then I go, Oh, you're right. It's dumb for me to say that. Let me take my hat, like put your hat back on. That's totally fine. But like, that's the type of thought process I I think we all should have if we want to be effective in this role of a father. 
but that that's my perspective. <laughs> yeah, be, because I said so, I think is super detri- detrimental. It's so dumb. It's like, <laughs> it's like you don't even know. If yeah. you you say that, you don't even know. Well, you know, if, like if someone if someone I, I kind of liken a lot of this stuff to myself. Like if someone at work, like my manager at work or something like that, and and I was like, you know, it was like, give me this report. I was like, well, you know that that w- why why do you need this report? Because I said so. It's like. Uh, okay, that just that doesn't give me any motivation to do anything. But if it was like, oh, because you know these specific numbers are going to help us to you know present this or solve this issue that we're having, it's like, oh, okay, I'm more like invested in the solution. Like I'm like, oh yeah, yeah okay, let's let's do this together. Let's work together versus like just because I said so. Yeah, and uh, those answers aren't hard. Hey, why should we go swimming today? We went swimming yesterday. We have a swimming practice today. Well, because swimming makes it so you can survive, but I can survive just fine. Yeah, but efficiency-wise and discipline-wise, you signed up for this, and discipline helps with every other aspect of life. So today, we're showing up to swimming to build more discipline, yeah. even though you're okay at swimming. You may, or you made a commitment. Yeah, you, you made you made a commitment. We follow through with commitments. Yeah. Yeah, and they go, why? And you go, because it makes you a good person, and every interaction you have in life will be easier if you follow through on commitments. <laughs> you know, it's like, these are not hard conversations, but for some reason... That level of respect is not given to a lot of parent-child relationships. And I, I don't know quite why, but that's just been... Yeah, I, I think that I might know why. I might have the answer why. <laughs> so tell me, tell uh, me. so we have uh, my oldest... I mean, he's like a lawyer, basically. And so we, I'll, I'll be like, hey, man, let's not, let's not do that. Let, let's, not, let's not eat any... Oh, let me think of an example, like goldfish for snack and he's like well why can't i have goldfish well because last time you got a giant bowl full and it was too much well what if i just get a little bit less and we go this back and forth this negotiating and i have three that other sounds kids like a great negotiation a, and, and he's yeah. a great negotiator and if next if next time i want to buy a car i'm going to send him to go do it yeah. but and then my wife calls it he you know he's got that thomas in him because you know, our last name is thomas and we're negotiators. And so he's always negotiating. And then I'm like, well, then you're going to, sp- I don't want you to spill. He's like, I won't spill it. And I won't get too much. And then we're like, all right, fine. If you, and it's like, so he, he sometimes we allow him to work us down using logic and reason. And then all the other, but the thing is, is that sometimes when you're managing a group of, so like, then the little one wants it. Then the little one wants to get in there. And then everybody dogpiles in. And so the one that we negotiated with, it wouldn't be fair if we just let him do it. So then the entire horde of hyenas just pile in and it just becomes a huge mess. So in some yes. ways, it's like we're trying to manage to the group while manage to the individual. And that dynamic can often be really difficult, especially because maybe yeah, the older one can go get milk from the fridge. But the other two, the other three are going to spill all over the floor. They're not going to drink it. They're going to spill all over their shirts, and so that's where it gets like really difficult negotiating with our oldest because with him it might work, but it's, it might not work for the collective. <laughs> well, I mean, why don't you say exactly that? Hey, the reason why I can't have you do this is because with you it works, but your little brother is going to spill everywhere. So for right now, yeah. I can't let you have that. And well, then he goes, "Oh damn!" And then he goes, "I'll become responsible for my little brothers." I'll clean up their stuff. And you go, okay, <laughs> well, if you're free to clean up their stuff, yeah, maybe. Then, then for sure. Maybe. But, but I think I think yeah. the, the root of what you're saying is, is, is it's work. It's genuine work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely. That back and forth is exhausting. And when you've got a full-time job and you've got your relationship to manage and your health to manage and all your other stressors of life, that 
10 minute conversation where you're talking about a bowl of goldfish is work and it's very hard. Oh yeah. But I'm, I'm of the mindset that the more you have them, the easier they become. Yeah. And, 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 but there is a reality to like, if you don't want to have them, just understand that they're going to, it's get, things will be harder. It's it, yeah. there, there are shorter solutions to, to everything, but the long term play is that the long stuff will be harder. Like if you want your kids to help out around the house, you have to let them help when they're young kids yep. who are going to make messes. You want them. Yeah. And when they're like, Hey, can I help you cook dinner? And you're like, we're making pasta. It's really messy. It's like, well, now is the time when they're asking yeah. to let them do it and screw it up, make the big mess so they get that love versus like later in life, you're like, come help me make it. It's like you said no for the majority of the front end of their life and now they're not into it. But yeah. it's more work in the moment than the one in the moment. So no, I, I, know, I, it's, I, it's such a Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think that it's absolutely important for them to be able to have a healthy back and forth and for them to challenge and then for me to respond and and explain the logic of a situation i think that yeah it, it's a difficult thing it's, and i've thought a lot about this i'm glad you brought this up you know for for my for my kiddos in the in some of the ways that we negotiate with them something those i would say some things in some cases like generally i i totally agree with what you're saying i think in some cases kids cannot comprehend though the logic or the reasons that we're laying out before them because they're, sure. they're children. You know, for example, for sure. one that we're battling with now is that like our oldest just won't eat dinner. He just won't eat any of the food that we give him. And so unless it's like a quesadilla. And so we're like, you got to take some bites of food. And he's like, well, I just won't eat. And and then we're like, well, we don't want you to go hungry. We don't want you being, you know, down here in the middle of the night trying to grab some snacks. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't ever come down in the middle of the night and get snacks. So that's not a problem. And I'm like, yeah, but you need nutrition in your body. You're a growing boy. And he's just like, well, it's fine. I'll just eat in the morning. And so like, try. he just doesn't understand that he needs to be eating and get those that nutrition. So sometimes like trying to use logic to reason with someone who's unreasonable in many ways, it can be so challenging. And so that's one of the, the, the kind of things that we've run up against, especially with our oldest, like we... He is that lawyer. He always, and sometimes we'll give in, you know, when he makes a really good point and it will concede, hey, you made a good point. You go ahead and do that. But it, it gets challenging. I guess, I, let me ask you, like, what would you do in a situation or what have you done? What have you tried in situations like that where the kid just doesn't understand the logic or the explanation? Like, how would you proceed with that? But but still keeping with the principle of allowing that back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I think the one that we run into that's similar to that is my boy will be like, that's not fair. And I'll say, I'm sorry, but there are things that are not fair. So it, there's no, there's no lot, but why are they not fair? Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. I, I can't go any further than that. It's just not fair. Yeah. And you do have to do this thing. Yeah. And then, and then there comes in like, well, I'm not going to do it. And you go, well, you are going to do it. And here's the boundaries. If you don't do it, you're going to lose X, Y, and Z. And it's very clear and unemotional and there's, there's nothing there. And so you're right. There is a certain sense of logic that it gets to a point where they're not going to comprehend the nuance of it. Yeah. In your specific situation, I would go, well, what am I doing to make it so he's not hungry at dinner time? What is he eating throughout the day? Where is he eating? Is he snacking a shitload? Does he have free snack time before dinner? Like what is going on here? And then understand too, that like, that there is a reality like that 
he'll probably be okay if he doesn't eat dinner. You should want him to eat dinner, but you w- it would be more around the lines of like, you have to have a couple of bites of the protein, a couple of bites of the, the carbohydrates and a, and a handful of nuts before you go to bed, but you don't have to finish your plate by any means. But I do need you to have a couple of bites of these things and sit down with the family and have this dinner as a collective yeah. so you can yeah. be here with your brothers. Yeah, yeah. My, my oldest is also a relatively light eater, so it's sometimes a dinner, but we, I noticed that the lighter times are when he snacks a lot right before he goes to to to, to sit down and we're like oh well yeah of course you're not going to eat dinner because you snacked 30 minutes before and he's like oh I'm not hungry it's like oh you know, you are hungry but you you ate earlier <laughs> get that whole so, bowl of goldfish <laughs> yeah oh, always examining those those types of things yeah do you make special meals for your kids versus you guys do you guys do different meals for adults versus kids? No, we actually stopped doing that. We that. a while back we that did that. No, I am wholeheartedly against that in every yeah. way. If you want your kids to have funny stuff around eating, make them special stuff. Yeah, like no, no we, kids gonna go hungry with food in front of them, but kids will develop weird eating habits if you allow them to eat whatever they want because the human palate is being manipulated by stuff that is not as natural as it should be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> and it's not, it's not nefarious by any means. It's just the reality of the modern world and how foods taste. Oh yeah, yeah. We've got some good eaters. We have some bad eaters. But my wife makes dinner every night, and then we say, "Hey, you got to take one bite of what it is." Usually, we'll have some kind of like toast or or bread with it. The most time they'll eat the bread. But I'd say on at least one night a week, one of the kids just doesn't eat dinner because they don't want anything, and so. It's kind of just like, hey, this is what we're having, man. We can't be special catering to you. So it's obviously, it's kind of hard to see that, but. It is hard, but at the same time, it's like, they're not going hungry, man. You know, you ever watch Alone and see how many days (laughs) you can go without food? Yeah, yeah. You're you're just fine, you know, and they're just fine. And I, I. I think there's actually more danger in the stigma around forcing them to finish their plates. Like there's more long-term danger in terms of understandings around food with that stuff. We personally, I'm not saying I'm professional at this, but we personally, right afterwards, like if they don't eat their their dinners, it's like, you're welcome to have some fruit before you go to bed. Yeah. So fruit's always on the table. It's like, yeah, you want to grab a thing of fruit out of there or some vegetables, go for it. I want to, I want to go back to one thing that you said, and this kind of resonated with me. You know, whenever you're talking to your son, you're negotiating with him after he said it's not fair. You said, uh, you know, I I, I talk to him and it's non-emotional. It's, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting angry or I'm not, you know, whatever else. And I think sometimes I struggle with that. I can get passionate about some things. And I've noticed that how my oldest son talks to his siblings is, and I've gotten a little bit better at it, but it's like, I'm like, you know, don't talk to your sister like that. And then I like leave the room and I'm like, dang it. You know, he's, he's literally talking to his sister, how I, I have talked to him like before. <laughs> and it's just like, shoot, yeah. man. I, I, I mean, that, that is bang on my experience. Like when I, when I, and that was one of the main things that caused me to want to change is when I see that, like I said, when they mirror it back at you, you're like, shucks. Yeah. Like, and, and what's even worse is, you know, it and you feel it like inside you're extra triggered by it because you know, it's one of your faults. Yeah. So you go, darn, that's me. But initially you don't register that it's you. And then you have to be self-aware enough to be like, that's me. Oh yeah. no. That's yeah, it's why like, it bothers who t- me you know, so much. Yeah. Where'd you learn to talk like that? It's like, I don't know. And it's just like, I leave the room and I'm like, I know exactly where he learned to talk like that. <laughs> it's so brutal. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the harder things is taking the emotion out of it. And I, I, did you guys ever read the book hunt gather parent? No. 
I don't think I've read that one. No. Okay, that's it's a great one. And there's a there's a lot of conflicting emotions on that book, but it was Hunt Gather Parent, and it's taught, goes to different cultures around this world. The, this woman was a journalist who was doing different kinds of journalism, but she would go all over the world and stay with these different kind of tribal people and different types of kind of remote types of people and all over the world. And they all had very different relationships with their kids than the Western world did. And so she looked at what they did differently in all of those places and wrote about it in this book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. And one of one of the big, big takeaways from this Inuit culture that she talked about was there's like no none of the adults ever get angry. And the the reason for that was in their culture. And I'm not saying that this is what people should do in their culture. Anger was associated with childhood. So like children can't control their emotions. That's what makes them children. And what makes you an adult is the ability to control your emotions. So it's not that you don't have anger. You just don't express it via like big, crazy things. And so I was like that, that really stuck with me is like what differentiates a child and adult is the ability to control your emotions. Not that you don't feel those things. You can feel angry. You can feel sad. You can blah, blah, but like the ability to not be reactionary and explode with that was a huge takeaway for me and something that I struggle with deeply and, and, and have to have slowly been reigning in for a long time. And that, that I, I find my kids are far more effective. It's to deal with them when I'm dealing with them non-emotionally, even if it's an emotional scenario, but yeah, yeah it was a good one. Let me ask you this question, Pat. I, I like what you just said, and I'm sure. curious to what your thoughts are with this. I think in a lot of ways, you know, we talk about fatherhood, we're all fathers, but in some ways, just the presence of if I walk into a room and I just look at my uh, look at my son, I say, you need to do what your mother asked you. Just calmly like that. He knows it's time to do it. And I don't have to raise my voice, really. Yeah. But I've noticed that they don't listen to my wife the same way. They just don't have that. Whenever my wife is, is trying to tell them something to do, she'll tell them nicely 20 times. And then she's you know, and then she feels like she needs to raise her voice to get them to listen. So like, how can, and, and I feel like that's, the, that might not be something that we can struggle with as fa- that we struggle with as fathers, because we have this presence about us where we can come in and we have this strength that I think that the kids respect, but how might a mother go about doing that? I mean, you said it was, it's, it's difficult for you in some ways to just control that anger. But I think that in many ways for mothers that don't have that innate, like commanding presence, how do you think that mothers might be able to deal with that? I am always wary of telling mothers what they should do because I'm not one. Uh, but, but the, that's a good answer. I think there's, def- that, was, that was the perfect I answer. <laughs> I think there is definitely a reality to the fact that there are strong differences between men and women and what they bring into a household. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, first and foremost, always examine whether or not the communication relationship is the same. So are you giving them the same clear boundaries? And is she giving them the same clear boundaries? And then upholding those boundaries as things don't happen or do happen. So that's one of them is just making sure that those levels of communication are the same. I think presence wise, there's always going to be a difference. Yeah. And I know that there are certain relationships that there's a more masculine presence from the 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 wife in certain areas of the relationship and more feminine. Like classically in, in our relationship, I tend to be more mo- emotional, which is actually a more 
classically feminine trait. And my wife tends to be a little bit more stoic, which is which is funny to me. I get a lot angrier and I carry quite a presence exactly like you're saying. But if we're talking classically feminine and masculine, yeah, yeah. I tend to have the more feminine traits when it comes to emotion. I think that's um, uh, so I'm not saying this categorically. Yeah. yeah, I think that's uh, how that's how we grew up. I would say our, our our dad was probably more emotional than than our mom was. I, I think our mom maybe is more more stoic. Yeah, and so, but I I, yeah. I, I really I, I really liked I, what you said. I would say too, though, really closely examine how you respond to your wife and see if when your wife asks you to do something, do you do it on the first time, the second time, the third time? The yeah. fifth time, are you like responding exactly how you want your kids to respond? Because that might be one of those things where you're looking at your phone, doing some business, doing some blah, blah, blah. And it takes you four times before you pick your pants up. Yeah. And so like, it's going to be hard to your, for your kids to respect your wife the same way if you don't respect it. So it's another one of those modeling things that unfortunately is pretty painful to examine. That's a good answer too. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I think that, Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, that's great. You got to model that that behavior. Except for usually my wife doesn't ask me to do stuff. If she's asking me to do something, it's probably because I'm not being aware enough of what her needs are. <laughs> but totally, <laughs> totally agree with you that, you know, just modeling that is, is so strong. I was going to ask you something, you know, as a father of, of four kids, one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm trying to actively do this, and what, but it's spend time individually with each of my kids. I have kind of a system yeah. that I use and maybe I'll mention that, you know, after you you share yours because I'm curious how you go about taking time to spend individual connection time with your each of your kids. Yeah. To be honest, this is a definitely a struggle of mine and it's one of the things that I examine a lot to see, you know, what are the long-term outcomes and impacts of me not doing this or doing this poorly or what does it really mean? I think I think one of the traps we, and, and this is my own personal musings on this, is I think one of the traps we as millennials might fall into is to think that we really do need to spend an excessive amount of individualized time with each kid to try to give them something yep. and to feel like we're failing if we're not. When if you look at a lot of the long-term studies on like twin studies and all stuff like that is like kids are kind of going to be who they're going to be. There's there's a little bit of influence you can have in their in their in their like 10 to 25 year old years where you can ease some suffering via giving them life skills. But for the most part, they're going to kind of be who they're going to be. It's more about are they feeling loved for you by you? Uh, do they feel supported by you? Do they feel like you did get to spend that connection? So I think that the individualized attention would be more self-serving in the sense that like you don't want this to go by. And you not have that time that you spent with each one of them, right? And and I don't know how much exactly that does for them as the individual, but I know personally when I spend individual time with my boys, I love it. And so like just selfishly, I think you should spend as much as you possibly can. I am really bad at balancing my time. And it's most of the time we're together as a family. I'm also, I also homeschool all four of my kids and I work from home and my wife works from home. Oh, wow. So I'm around them all day, like all the time. So so spending those individual times is hard. And I think it might naturally separate as my kids age because they like different things. So like yesterday, I took my eight-year-old surfing for two hours. The other two, the other three, one's a one-year-old, but the other two 
didn't come along because I was like, hey, you guys want to go surfing? And they're like, no. And I'm like, great. So that's individualized time with those guys. Yeah. No, I, I like that. One of the, I, I think it's like what you said was building that relationship is, especially in, in these younger years, is so critical. And that's something that I've tried to do. One of the things that I set a goal for, I did it last year and I continued this year, is just to spend an hour once a month with each of my kids uh, individually. I call it their special night. And so I say, hey, you know, you're going to have your special night and we just do whatever. We'll play a board game or we'll just watch a show together or we'll, you know, no, usually I, wa- I don't want to just like watch a show with them. I want to actually do something active with them and, you know, just different things and like get to know them, just spend time with them. And that's actually part of that as I've done that, one of my sons loves Rubik's Cubes. And I don't really care about Rubik's Cubes, but he really loves it. And I have been doing jujitsu for about three years now. And he was doing it for a while, but then he quit. And I just think it'd be really good for him because it's kind of like human chess and that there's different moves. And I'm like, you know, it's a lot like doing Rubik's Cubes. And he's like, well, how about this? And I was like, well, how about this? I'll learn how to do Rubik's Cube if you come back and you try jujitsu. And he's like, really? And I, and I was like, yeah, sure. And so now he's you know coming back and he's getting back into jujitsu because we, we need something to keep him active. He needs to do a sport. And then yeah. now I'm trying to learn how to do Rubik's Cubes and he's you know kind of teaching me. So I think it's a great opportunity that kind of came up on one of our special nights where I can model for him that even I'm willing to try something new that someone else likes and, and learn something because he doesn't like being bad at things. And I'm like, well, just every, whenever you start something, you're always going to be bad at it, but that's part of the process is just learning. So I've really gotten a lot out of those. Is that your first son? Yeah. That's my oldest son. <clears throat> yeah. And those are like all the exact traits of my first son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he, he was the one that we had Stay like, on. Oh, pie high in the sky hopes for. <laughs> now he's doing great. He's, he's yeah. really good at that. And so it's, it's kind of a cool, cool thing to, to have an opportunity where he could teach me something. And then obviously I get to take him to jiu-jitsu and have been doing classes with him and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. One, one, one hour a month with each one of them. And then, and then that, that's a good, good system. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's been really, I, th- I set on my goals. I was just writing out these financial goals, but within that it had like values and personal goals and stuff. And one of them, I, I kind of just put out there is like, I want to find the things that each one of them finds important to them. Like I know my second son connects with the world physically. Like that's, that's what he, he's the one I took surfing. He's like, so I can, I can do, I can go play sport with him and he'll love it. I can go do the other things. Whereas my oldest son, it's more like the Rubik's cube. It's like, I got to find something little nerdy, a little headier that, that, but, but support that, you know, we play magic, the gathering. So maybe going off to play Friday night magic and have some fun with that. Nice. So trying to hone in on the things that elevate them that they're really into and connect with them over that, I think is a good call. So I'm with you on that. Love it, man. This is great. Just a couple of dads getting together, talking about, (laughs) I don't want to say their woes, but you know, talking about stuff. I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's important. I think it's something that, that, you know, not, not everyone does. And, And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a brother to kind of bounce ideas off of and, and, and say, Hey man, I'm struggling with this or that, you know, what do you think about this? And so I think having a community is, is really important. I wanted to get to and ask you about your, your kind of that no yell challenge that you did. How did that start? And how'd it go? How'd it go? Are you still doing it or tell us a little bit about it? No, I, yeah. So, <laughs> so that that started as like my my wife came to me and she just kind of expressed. She's like, she's like, hey, each one of the boys individually 
you know, expressed some things about yelling and to build the full context around it is I'm not a, I'm not a yelly guy. I'm not, I'm, I'm an intense guy, but I'm quite calm. Like I, I'm quite calm most of the time. I'm quite loving most of the time. So when I yell, it's extra extreme. It goes from a place of being like very here to like way up here. There's not really an in-between. And there's, and through this challenge, I'll, I'll talk about the results of it. But like, I, I realized that a lot of the yelling that I was doing was centered around basically being reactionary and not having a beat between when something happened and my choice in action afterwards. And so I would go straight to yelling because that's like the, that's the raw emotion that would come up is like acute anger. Where do I go? I need to yell to get situation to stop. So my context for yelling is don't do it very often. When I do, it's very scary. And it wasn't always intentional. It wasn't like I was going, this is the best tool for the scenario. Let me bring out the yell. That's not how it was happening. It was just like, and yelling. I'm yelling now. And then there'd be a lot of times post yelling that I'd really regret the interaction that happened. I wouldn't sit back and be like, that was the right thing to do. You know, like it was one of those times where you sit back and you're like, I screwed that one up. That could have been handled a lot better and had a better outcome. And so after enough of those happening in my life through, you know, having our first son in 2012 till now, it it hadn't really like come to a head or anything, but there was a, a week where, you know, a few things happened. Maybe I was extra stressed in my external life and my work and all that other stuff. And maybe some things happened with the kids a few more times in a row to where my wife brought it to me. It was like, Hey, you know, like, I don't think you're yelling as intentionally as you think you are. And I, I, it's happened a little bit more often recently. And I was like, interesting. And the, each one of the boys had like mentioned it to her independently of each other. And I was filming another video for my other work that I was doing. So I had my camera out here and I was in this garage. And so I was like, I wonder what would happen if I brought them each into the room and then asked them, what's the thing they, they like least about me? Or if you could have me stop doing one thing, what would it be? And so individually, I brought them all in my four-year-old, my, he was four at the time, my eight-year-old and my 11-year-old. And I was like, Hey, finish the sentence for me. If I could have my dad stop doing one thing, it would be, or I hate it most when my dad does. And I, I, I can't remember exactly the phrasing I used. And each one of them independently of each other said yelling, it was yelling, screaming at me. And then my oldest said farting, but then he changed it to yelling as he went through there. And I was like, that's not real, dude. You fart just as much as me. <laughs> So I interviewed them and then and then I asked them a few more questions after that. And and after I got all those responses, I was like sitting there, and I was like, you know what? Why not try a challenge? Why not try and just, just completely remove yelling as a tool and see what happens if I completely remove yelling? I like challenges. I know psychologically for me, I work well if you challenge me. If you tell me to do something, I won't do it. If you challenge me to do something, I'll be like, oh, okay, I see where we're going here. And so, so. I challenged myself to do a one month of no yelling. And if I yelled, I would pay the person I yelled at $5, like right in the moment, pull it out of my wallet, pay him five bucks. And that wasn't so much as a reward for me yelling. It was a, it was not even a punishment for me because five bucks is five bucks is whatever. It was more just something else to get in my mind to, to, to create a beat between something happens. I'm going to yell. Let's think about that yell for one second, because if you do, you're going to pay out five bucks. And it's not that like five bucks is particularly painful. It's just something is, is, to... is material enough to take a beat. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was just like, it was enough to be like, Hey, think of something else. Yeah. And so I, I, I made that little video and I challenged myself to do a month of no yelling. 
popped it out on the internet and then that thing exploded. It was crazy as a video, but on the behind the scenes sort of deal yeah. within 10 minutes of me filming that video, I walked into the house, something went down and I yelled at my second son who I realized is the kid I yell at always. There are pretty much no yells that go to any other kid. And it, it right as I did it, I then was like stopped and was like, and dropped an F-bomb and then was like, pulled out my wallet and paid him. And that moment was very funny because he was like, <laughs> you know, like it was like a little like <laughs> right there. And my head immediately like dinged it as like, this habit is not the same anymore. Don't do this because if you do, you lose $5. Yeah. And so then I proceeded to find myself in plenty of situations where I'd normally yell and just was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't. And found other ways of dealing with those situations, whether it was getting closer to them, truly getting their attention, realizing that it didn't really matter that they spilled a cup of water on the bed and just going and getting something to help them clean it up. Like whatever it was or setting a boundary like, hey, you know what? Well, if you don't do it, I'm just going to have to take away the hour of video games you get on Saturday. And I I don't want to, but that's just the reality of it, you know? And yeah. there is, depending on the situation, many different ways to handle it. And over the course of, uh, it's been three months now. And I, I I yelled four times. Three of those times were just acute reactions that things built up so much that I I responded. And then one of them was like very intentionally being like, "I'm gonna pay five bucks for this." <laughs> hey, and you know, like, and it went. That was gonna was be very that was gonna be one of my questions. Do you ever think in your mind and think it's like this is gonna be worth five bucks? Like, <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is gonna be a twenty dollar night. <laughs> well, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I'm so angry. This is gonna be worth five bucks. It was more like this really needs to stop, and yeah, I yeah. have no other tools for it to make it stop because I'm across the room. We're at a pool. This thing's going down. Yeah. And it was. It wasn't. It wasn't unsafe. It was just like it was not appropriate, yeah. and I needed it to to be like an acute learning experience. And so I was like, I will pay five dollars for this. Like yeah. that's worth it to me. But, but never, never, I haven't paid out in like, this is worth it. Take this kid. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As it, it, like it, throw it at him as you yell yeah, <laughs> against the spirit the, of the law, spirit of the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> but, but all four of those were to the same kid. All four of those were to number two. And they're the one I took surfing yesterday. So yeah. all four. So I'm, I'm, that was some great data in and of itself of like, huh? Yeah. Like he's the one that, that gets you. And, and now you need to examine why he gets you. And then you go, he's the one who's most like me. Yeah. In every way, like, and uh, he pushes the buttons. That's what he does. But now there's different ways of interacting with him. And it's been good. And I'm, it was a month long challenge. And I'm, I'm going to just do it for the rest of my life. There's no reason for me not to. And I'll pay out the five bucks if I have to, but I, I haven't needed to because that for me was a tool that was not as effective as other tools. Yeah. So yeah, love it. I'm done. I love that, man. That's great. Yeah, that's that's a great challenge for anybody. I'll I'll try to, I'll try to do that myself. I'll try to that's a good way to gather data to see who I'm yelling at and if I'm how often I'm yelling. So I really like that. It's hard and it's it's a little it's a little confronting at times. And depending on what you're coming into it with, I think it'll be different. I think some people use yelling as like just a basic communication tool, and I think that that would be a very different experience than what I did, which is like I used it in very. <laughs> acutely emotional times. Yeah. So yeah, cool. it's, it's wonderful. I've had hundreds of men email me and message me telling me how they've fundamentally changed the relationship with their kids. And it's been magical. Like, like I would never have expected that from like me being like, I'm going to try to yell less. And all of a sudden you just have, I, I I've 
it's been wild. The number of people who, who've messaged me nice. just saying things are different and thank you. And I'm like, from a social post. <laughs> so this, this platform can do some good. Have, right. have you, have you felt that it's important to kind of have that, I guess, support from like-minded people and interactions? I mean, do you feel like that's increased? Yeah. Oh, no, I, it, no, not for me. Like, cause like I've been that I'm so cerebral and sit in my own head and journal and do my own stuff. Like it's more I internalized. It's yeah, it's it's all internal. It's been like, I want to do these things because I think these are the things to do. I don't need the validation. Is the validation interesting? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. But then I'm like, then I go in my own head and go, I don't want I don't want to do things for this platform. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't I, I don't want to do things ever for the clicks or for the the whatever it is like. Yeah. And there's plenty of horrible people online too so they're like there's plenty of messages that that bring you down and try to take you down so i try to invest as little emotional energy into the responses that i get as possible so i mainly take the uplifting ones and i'm like awesome so glad to hear it yeah <laughs> you know move on love it well i i want to hear i want you to you know you're the you built the Father's Guild. I know you talked a little bit about that at the beginning and how it's some of your reflections and some of your thoughts. Kind of towards the tail end of our podcast here, I'd love for you to just maybe just pitch a little bit about what the Father's Guild is, what the kind of what someone can expect, you know, if they join the guild, uh, what that looks like for folks that would be interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we actually I don't have a a, a product or I don't have an actual place you can join other than just follow my social. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not it's not out of the question for me to consider something down the road of like some sort of digital service or an online men's group of some sort, but yeah. I, I would want it to be something that was cool. Yeah. Like the closest thing to me is like I want I want it to be I want to make fatherhood really cool. Like I yeah. want I want people to have the joy that I have. Like I love being a dad. And I like it's selfishly it's one of the it's the best thing i've ever done and it's so amazing and so many people don't have this and i want to show that i want to be like look this can be awesome yeah. if you want it to be but you got to work really hard and you have to be super self-reflective yeah. so from for me if they want to go find the father's guild they can just find my account and they can message me or or see any of the the, the stuff there yeah the the and we'll post a link long, to that in the in the episode notes. We'll post a link to your socials there. Yeah, and and that's kind of all I got. Like I I oh, cool. I just I I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I I guess you could say I mean, you talk about creeds and mottos and stuff. My main focus for that I keep coming back to for fathers is to just be intentional. I, I think so much of what we do is either you know, copied or learned or mimic where we just do it because that's what we've done. And I, I, I find so much value in looking at what you're doing and making sure what you're doing is on purpose. And and I don't even need to agree with what you do. I just need to know that you're doing it on purpose. And then I'm going to be like, awesome. And like, we can have a conversation around whether or not that's the right thing, but make sure it's on purpose first and foremost. <laughs> Maybe it's, Father's guilt, fatherhood on purpose, maybe something like that. Intentional like, parenting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, intentional parenting. That's also another great book if you haven't read it, The Intentional Father. That one bit in the religious domain, but it's fantastic. And then my my family has always had a creed centered around harder to kill, easier to love. That's been our motto for a long time. So the whole the whole thing of being like part of our family and what we try to do is we do things that make us harder to kill and easier to love <laughs> and harder to kill comes in 
building skills and building strength and eating well and sleeping and understanding training and all that kind of stuff and doing cold plunges and difficult things. And then being easier to love is to me is around like learning how to communicate, learning how to express yourself, learning how to say, I'm sorry. Like there's a lot that goes into being easier to love, but that's been our, our family motto for a long time is harder to kill, easier to love. That's scary. That's great. That's so good. I love that. And we're, we're excited that t- to see folks like you out there, you know, advocating for fatherhood, being there, being a present father, challenging folks to be better dads. And I'm so pleased to hear that, you know, folks are responding to you and saying how transformative that was. And that's something that we're, we're focused on too, is we're focused on building fathers to be more intentional about the way they model their virtues to their kids. And then also helping build that blueprint for their kids' lives with the virtues that they are trying to instill. So we're right, we're right there with you, brother. And we appreciate the work that you're doing for the great cause. And you know, thank you so much, Ethan. Do you have a, uh, you have anything else? Yeah, you know, I just just Pat, I, I think it's great talking through, you know, kind of the, the so, some of the the difficulties and the wins that we can have as fathers. I mean, I would, I just, I, I liked what you said about how you were like you know, this whole yelling thing, you're like, it started off just a personal challenge. And then you're like, you know, why stop? You kind of see the benefits of it. And you're just like, you know, this is something that I'm just going to continue doing. And, and, you know, there might be some, some situations in some circumstances where yelling is necessary. Maybe it's a, you know, a last resort or a dangerous situation or something like that. And, and I think it's good for children to be able to differentiate that. I think whenever, whenever they don't know that difference, and it's just oh, dad's a yeller. Then, then it gets a little muddy. It almost makes the, the the times where it is necessary less potent. Yeah, I would agree. I would wholeheartedly agree. I mean, like people were worried about that with me. They're like, "Well, what if they're running into the road?" I'm like, "Look, like, do you, is that really what you're thinking about right now? You really, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. really think that like that's what I'm talking about? Is yeah. like, well, I just let him die, you know? Like, <laughs> guys, stick to the challenge. That's not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not but, paying them five dollars." <laughs> It's it's like it's such a low bar on some of those comments. Yeah. I just feel bad for it. Like yeah. it, the, there's some ang- Did you guys go through and read any of those comments on that video? It's couple of it's them. It's a yeah. fascinating like just cesspool. Like there's some really positive <laughs> stuff and then there's just like thousands of just gnarly people on either direction like people who are like you yelled once you're the worst father in the world and then people on the other side who are like who are like if you don't yell at your kids you're going to change their gender and i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) like like how are both is is that how that works (laughs) it's wild but no, but I absolutely think that yelling, the, the the less you do it, the more effective it is as a tool. 100%. Like, yeah. you know that if you get yelled at, it's like, whoa, things went far. And, yeah. and you can use it far more effectively than if you just use it all the time. I agree with that. Yeah. It, it, it's such a forceful way to to force, to jolt someone into position. That if you're having yeah. to force and jolt someone into position... Like it's almost like imagine if you're like a driving on the road and, and you get slightly off course and you just make minor things to get back. If you're having to jerk the wheel back and forth all the time, you're probably not that good of a driver. Yeah, uh, you gotta <laughs> learn to drive a little better. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go slow down. Let's slow down. Exactly. And beginning. It's a good analogy. <laughs> I, I've always been a big fan of Jordan Peterson's quote around least force necessary when it comes to parenting. Yeah. Like 
the the whole going into it being like i'm going to try to use the least force necessary to have the outcome that i want yep. but there's got to be progressive steps of force yep. depending on the child and the situation but what i find in most of the world is it's not hey we're going to use least force necessary and then slightly more and then slightly more and then slightly more for a lot of us it's either like we're going to try this and then we're going to yell at him shock you know? it off or it's just <laughs> Or I'm just going to go straight to yelling at him. And that that intentional step of like, okay, what's the next step? How can I elevate this? Where do mm-hmm. we go from here? And figuring that out with each kid has been pretty fun for me, at yeah. least. I don't, yeah. I know that my like my my eight year old, I need to put my hand on him for him to see and listen to me. You know, like yeah. if I'm not yelling, I need to come over and touch him and be close to him. Make sure he's focusing on me. Then say it. Then he'll do it. Yeah. Whereas my 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 first son, I'll be like, hey, dude. And he'll be like, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> like that, that's just the difference in those two. Give him the look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, Pat, thank you so much for your, for your thoughts, your, 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 your experiences and, and, and sharing those with us. It has been great to have you on. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. And for all, all you listeners out there, we always sign off and say, let's build that creed together. Let's do it. Build it. <laughs>